are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another crossover edition of Locked On Capitals and Locked On Blackhawks. I am the insider to the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, joined today by the host of Locked On Blackhawks, the man who has probably had one of the tougher years of all of us here on the Locked On Podcast Network, Jack Bushman. Jack, how you doing, friend? Tyler, thanks for having me on the show. I'm doing well. And yeah, it's been uh, about as chaotic a first two months of the season as you could imagine here on the side for the Blackhawks you name it we've had to deal with it so far but it, it definitely hasn't been boring to say the least yeah no we'll talk about it we're going to get all the angles here we're going to talk about the Blackhawks here and then we're going to talk about the Washington Capitals and how they've done and how still a lot of us are still reeling after that game on Tuesday night against Florida but you know what we're going to try to get over it and then preview tonight's game between the Hawks and the Capitals. But I got to tell you guys that today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero. No one does daily fantasy sports. No one plays fantasy sports to lose. And winning feels so much better. And you, you can go to Stat Hero and you can go head-to-head against a computer. And that's what you should be doing one-on-one. Sign up for free right now at StatHero.com hockey. And use the promo code hockey for a 100% deposit match on StatHero.com hockey. Terms and conditions apply. So. You know, I'm really, I've, I remember when you reached out to me, Jack, and said, let's do a crossover show. I myself, I, I'm from West Michigan, so I was kind of born into the Central Division and for some people, Norris Division rivalry of the Chicago Blackhawks and Detroit Red Wings. And those teams for many years would go at it. And it was always fun to watch because it seemed like it was fight night every single night. Now they're in different conferences, so it doesn't really matter in this neck of the woods. Weird. Oh, it's it's still weird to me because I'm like, oh, those those classic battles, and I'm like, yeah, I have to remind myself that the real the realignment is now eight years old, Jack. Eight years old since the Red Wings and Hawks split from each other, and the Red Wings jumped in the Eastern Conference. It's still weird to me. That's actually baffling. Yeah, I think was their final year in the Western Conference when they met up in 2013. Was that when their Brent, final year, do you know? When Brent Seabrook put one off Cronwall into the net. Yep, I remember that game very vividly. <laughs> hey, it almost ended in disaster for the Blackhawks, too, with that penalty on Jomerson with two minutes to go. Well, uh, that, that took what, away the Jomerson goal. Yeah, the, I, there was the scuffle in front of the bench. Like, yeah, in playoff hockey, they're going to call a coincidental minors for roughing. Yeah, I still remember that. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing ever. If, if the Blackhawks would have lost that game, the Chicago would have burned down. I will say this. I, I'll, at this point, I was not much of a Wings fan. Yes, I know there's a Gordie Howe banner behind me. And there's a Chris Osgood poster right there. But I was I was still kind of falling for the you know, with the Leafs after the Boston Game 7 just a couple weeks earlier. Oh, But you cannot tell me, Jack. This is for, all, for my dad and all my Red Wings fans out there. That Game 6 shouldn't, it never should have been a Game 7 because Game 6 had the worst penalty shot call in the history of hockey. It wasn't, it wasn't a great call. But when you get your opportunities, you got to make the most of them. And Michael Froelich hit him with that backhand roof job. Nobody saw it coming. And I still think Pavel Datsuk spit on him when he was when he was going down the bench line. Have you ever seen that gif that's on Twitter somewhere where it's like Michael Froelich going down the handshake line and Pavel Datsuk just so happens to spit on the ice the same time that he's passing him? I don't know if you've seen that. but Oh, I, I would believe it. No, knowing how Datsuk, how intense he was at times, I would not have doubt that he did that on purpose. Zetterberg would have just put his head down, but Datsuk would have spat at somebody. <laughs> better days, Tyler. Better days. 
Better days for Detroit. Hey, you know what? They're they're all they're right there in the Atlantic Division right now. No one can really take. Them. I mean, they're playing as we're talking. They're talk, playing Seattle right now, and that that's a really good team as well. But Detroit, they're they have those young kids in there that were probably looking up to Pavel Datsuk. That's how old we are, Jack. Back yeah, right. Day, my goodness. Don't remind me. But this this year's Blackhawks, I you know it's let let's start off with the awful awful part here. The investigation that went on that was reported on during the offseason and still was kind of mind-boggling to me that this was going on because I'm like, this can't be a real thing, right? Well, as we found out, it is with the whole Kyle Beach and the sexual allegations against Brad Aldrich and the multiple allegations outside of the Chicago Blackhawks. This team was off the ice in complete and utter disarray. Jack, how, if you imagine if you're in the room, because there's still a few guys from that 2010 team still there. How would you think those guys are reacting to all this? I mean, it's it's almost impossible, especially in today's age, to kind of shut that all out. For sure. And I certainly felt for the the new guys, you know, other than Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taze, there's no one still around from that 2010 team. But I certainly felt for the new guys who were there having to deal with all that heat, even though they were probably, most of them were nine or 10 years old when that situation took place. And clearly, I think it it affected the team on the ice. You know, there was just it probably was hard for them to focus on their, their job. I would imagine and a one, nine and two start under Jeremy Colleton, I think kind of uh, shows you that, uh, that, that was the case, but yeah, I'm sure the room was very tense. Um, and I couldn't imagine, you know, anyone really had a, in, in open, you know, a, a clear mind per se, you know, there was a lot of things going on and a lot of distractions. Uh, it, it was just a, a terrible, situation in all aspects and i'm glad that the blackhawks got rid of everyone who had part in that that definitely needed to happen that was step one people have been asking for that since the summer when these allegations first came out and uh now that i i think the blackhawks and the people that are here now and the Wurtzes, the owners of the team i think they, they've handled it to the best of their abilities uh danny Wurtz has answered all the questions that he's needed to and um i, I think they've done a good job of taking that next step and making sure that they're going to be a better organization. Who cares what's happening on the ice? Just people's sake, you know, you got to be a good person in this world and you can't think you're above the law and, and above all else and, and expect to get away with it. It was, it was really sickening and it was sad to see that this was happening to my team. You know, the team that I grew up watching and what made me fall in love with, with the game of hockey, you know, that 2010 team is forever going to have a stain on their name. So it was tough. And yeah, like I said, I certainly felt for a lot of the young players who, you know, had to deal with that situation, even though they weren't on the team 10 years ago. That right there is the craziest part. Cause I've had a lot of people reach out to me and said, Tyler, I'm like, what if it was the Leafs that had this problem? What if, you know, one of their coaches had done that i'm like i don't and i and i said this i'm like it's easy to say oh i would be just as angry as i am now i i couldn't imagine jack because i mean you know the team that you grew up cheering for the team you love the team you cover it's almost like you were obligated to talk about it but you know it's it's so painful knowing that that is your team i can't say i'm like i mean you you've done an amazing job i'm gonna say that right now covering this whole thing i mean better than i mean a lot of us we've talked about it um, I've talked about even on my show on Locked On Capitals, but the fact of the matter is, is that this was such a big story that it transcended the Chicago Blackhawks and dare I say transcended sport. That's how big the story was. And I could not imagine being in your shoes talking about your team having this big issue. Yeah, well, thank you for those kind words, Tyler. I really appreciate it. And, and yeah, it was it was really tough. Um, tough to find the words 
to describe the actions that the Blackhawks took in 2010. And I remember I was driving to a game. I want to say it was maybe a, a Sunday or a Monday. I can't remember exactly, but it was earlier on in the season. And I think the game started at six or seven. And at five o'clock, Kyle Beach had his interview with TSN on the air. And I was driving to the Blackhawks game while that interview was going on. And I I didn't want to go to the game after watching that interview. I'd never had that feeling in my life going to the United Center. If I was going alone, I would have turned around and left. I was going with one of my buddies, but I was just heartbroken. I was like, who cares about what they're going to do on the ice right now. Like it's so much more than that at this point. And it was just crazy to have that feeling, you know, this game's given me so much passion and so much joy and has entertained me for a decade, but to have that feeling like, like my stomach just sank and my heart was ripped out of me. It was a feeling I really can't describe. And I couldn't even imagine what Kyle beach was going through in that interview. So courageous of him to, to come forward and, you know, speak about what took place and everything. I mean, dudes an an incredible human being and um deserved a lot better from the Blackhawks and I hope going forward you know by by coming out and being able to share his story he can um have some sort of um uh, you know enjoyment that he's going to benefit lives of people forever he's going to be bigger than the sport of hockey bigger than whatever he could have done on the ice had this not have happened Kyle Beach is going to be a hero in the game of hockey forever wasn't that the game? No, when the report came out was the Leafs played them that night. I think this was Toronto Maple Leafs played and they were in town. The game I think you're talking about. Oh gosh, who was who they? It honestly, might have been the Leafs. It could have been because I remember the report came out and I remember because the the Rick Westhead interview was so huge it was even put on Sportsnet, which is the epitome of here in the United States seeing. Stephen A. Smith do a bit on Fox Sports. Like, it's one of those things. Like, it's such a, it was that big of a story. But I just remember, like, there were some people talking to me. I'm like, should the least, like, should this game even be happening? Like, I was thinking just, the same thing. It felt like one of those weird, like, I, I remember they start off the broadcast and, and I, I, I don't unfortunately don't have NBC Sports uh, Chicago in my neck of the woods. I have Hulu, but I was watching, I was on the Leafs feed, but I saw it after Pat Foley's intro. God bless that man. This is his last season, and he has to go out and do that because that guy is one of the best voices in hockey, and he was able to treat that like a pro, the legend that he is. And I could like it's one of those things. It's like there's going to be a hockey game tonight, but none of us like. And you could see in his eyes, he's like, I don't know why I'm here. It was that kind of a weird night, and I. It was a weird atmosphere in the arena too. Like, it was the first time I'd ever been to a Blackhawks game. First off, the stadium was empty. It, it was as empty as I've ever seen the UC. And they announced the Blackhawks starting lineup, and it was just quiet. Like, and I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I, I don't think I can cheer for this team right now. Like, it was such an odd atmosphere in that building that night. I really can't describe it. Did they did they cheer for the anthem? I thought I heard some clapping. Like, I know that's the the, the tradition when Jim Cornelison gets out there and he starts giving it those all for the national anthem, and there's cheering and whatnot. But I. I don't know if it, I saw some people clapping, but it just seemed like it was so unenthusiastic. It, it really was. And I think, I think what was happening was the people who were really informed on the situation weren't clapping and just kind of the people that, you know, go to games or are partial fans and don't follow the team every day. They know, obviously, if you are a sports fan in Chicago, you know about the anthem at the United Center for Blackhawks games. So I think 
those people who weren't really keeping up with the situation and probably hadn't seen Kyle Beach's interview two hours earlier, those were probably the people that were clapping. I think everyone that kind of knew really what was going on with this organization were kind of like, do I even want to be here right now? <laughs> like, yeah, it was it was an odd feeling, man. I really can't describe it. So that all thing happens. And obviously the team not playing well didn't help either. This is a different story. If you know, I, I actually, it's not a different story I'd say, but I, the, first of all, the building be a little bit more full if they were nine, one and two, not one, nine and two. And they make the big change. Jeremy Colleton gets fired. And of course, everyone's pointing the finger at, you know, the players don't want to play for him. You know, what was your take on Colleton getting the, getting the boot here? Because I, I, you could tell he was inexperienced, but at the end, you could really tell that the players were just going through the motions with him. Yeah, it was a situation where I did think a change needed to be made. Uh, the last game that Colleton wound up coaching was a Friday or Saturday night game against the Winnipeg Jets. At that point, we were 1-8-2. and two. We needed to come out with some fire, and the Jets scored two goals in the first two minutes. So it was like, okay, clearly the message isn't being reciprocated by the players but at the same time, I did feel for Jeremy Colleton because he kind of got handed this bag of crap in the early part of the season with um, the out al the allegations and everything, the lawsuit, um, and also by following up Joel Quenville to being the being the guy to replace him. As inexperienced as he was, I really think he just didn't stand a chance. I mean. A guy that was so young in his coaching career had had only a couple years of experience prior to that overseas. I just didn't think he was ever really the guy for the job. And the bigger picture was obviously the one nine and two start was horrendous, and most people felt the change needed to be made. Ninety nine percent of the people out there that were Blackhawks fans felt the change needed to be made. Um, but in, in three years since. Colleton had taken over, there really wasn't any progression, right? The Blackhawks were still towards the bottom of the league in goals against and shots on goal against. Analytically, they were getting torn up basically each and every night. So there just really wasn't any progression in, in the time span that, that Jeremy Colleton was there. So I don't think it was necessarily those first 11 games. Obviously, you have to put some blame on the players, right? I mean, they're the ones right. that are going out there and fighting for you for 60 minutes. So it's definitely part partly their fault, um, but more, more so than just the bad start was the Blackhawks really hadn't made any strides in three years under Colleton. And after getting a, a pretty notable free agent class coming on to start the way they did, I think was kind of just the cherry on top. So I did agree that a change needed to be made. I felt for Colleton because he probably just wasn't the right guy. But at the end of the day, um, obviously the on-ice results kind of spoke for themselves. And I just don't think the players were really – feeling the message and responding the way that they needed to after that bad of a start. Yeah. When you, when you're battling the Arizona coyotes for the last spot in your division, there are certainly questions to be had, but then they bring in Derek King as the interim head coach, former Toronto Maple Leaf and Grand Rapids Griffin legend, Derek King. I have to throw that out there, but <laughs> the thing, like I, it's one of those things I, I honestly wonder Jack, is this is this a kind of a honeymoon phase with them right now? Because right now they're six and three under Derek King, like they're playing well. And I, the biggest thing you talk about, the, you know, some of the big acquisitions the offseason, Mark Andre Fleury, last year's Vezina Trophy winner. Like I, I pulled up his numbers for November, you could tell certainly he's a lot better. Five and four, nine three five save percentage, and two on two goals against average. That's the flower we all kind of grew up watching a little bit. This team is starting to, I, 
I'm not going to go say they're going to turn it around and be like the St. Louis Blues and go all the way to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I'm not going to go full tilt there. But this team's playing much better. Do you think it's the coach? Do you think it's just maybe the players starting to figure it out? What What do you think's going on right now? The way they're picking these wins up. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of torn right now whether to think you know Derek King is really making a difference or it's kind of just the goaltending. Uh, without a doubt, though, the Blackhawks have been playing better defensively most nights, unless they're going up against uh, the Edmonton Oilers. That uh, they've handled their opponents well and they've limited the shots on goal that they've they've taken and they've made them work for their high danger chances a lot more than they than they did in the early part of the season under Colleton. Um, but at the same time, I think if Mark Andre Fleury was playing the way that he is right now with Colleton a month ago, you know, we probably would have had more than one win. So it's tough. When you get Mark Andre Fleury standing on his head and, and playing at that Vezina caliber caliber level. You know, you have a chance night in and night out, and the Blackhawks have been able to escape with a couple of victories recently. Uh, they had a one nothing win in Vancouver where Flower pitched a 40-save shutout. We're not the better team that night. Came away victorious uh, against St. Louis a few nights back. I think that was Friday night. They get down 2 nothing early, early. Flower stands on his head. They find a way to put two in in regulation and come out with the OT win. So they haven't been winning in the most impressive fashions. And they also haven't beaten the best opponents. And that's kind of what's concerning me about this tough upcoming three game road trip that they have against Washington, the New York Rangers, and potentially the New York Islanders still not sure what's happening with that situation. Um, But November was a little bit of a cakewalk for the Blackhawks in terms of their opponents. And now here in December, as we enter the holiday season, it's going to pick up and I'm a little concerned how the Blackhawks are going to respond to that because so far this season, whether it be under King, whether it be under Colleton, when they're faced, when they're up against a, a top team, they haven't been able to respond well. So uh, this is kind of, I think, a do or die stretch for the Blackhawks. And I'm really curious to see and, and curious to see if we'll get an answer to that question, whether or not they truly are better under Derek King, or if this has just been a little bit of a facade and, and the team kind of getting a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, it, it, it'll be tough. And I, I, I will say I did pick Chicago coming into this year just based on the acquisitions and whatnot that this team could have certainly have been a playoff contender. Obviously, there's a lot of time left. I'm saying the deadline for make it break it teams is going to be Christmas this year because A, we're still in a pandemic and B, you know, the season started later. And to your point, you talk about all this off opponents. You saved your butt, though, saying how that it's been tough playing against good teams because I'm pretty sure half of Alberta was about to come down to Chicago and give you a four. <laughs> That's holy moly. Uh, but but you're right. You do have. And as far as we know, the Islanders, they were practicing today. So that means they're heading back on the right track, which is good to see. Obviously, there's issues with the Boston Bruins and, of course, the locked uh, the Washington Capitals AHL affiliate, the Hershey Bears. Those games this past this coming weekend have already been postponed in advance. So this team was that was supposed to start up actually practice today again. Uh, that's not going to happen. Unfortunately, too many COVID cases there. I mean, we can go on the laundry list of issues that are going on right now in the NHL. Bruce Cassidy, of course, not being able to coach last night for the Boston Bruins. The Ottawa Senators had their certain bout with it. It's it's one of those things, Jack, that you were just like, kind of, we're all sitting here like, all right, as long as it doesn't happen to our team, even though (laughs) our minds were like, it's coming. When is it going to happen, though? For sure. And the Blackhawks actually had to deal with it a lot there in late October and early November, it seemed like every week they were getting one or two new additions to their COVID list. And they still haven't had all of the defensemen 
that they that they want at the NHL level. They haven't had all of them healthy so far this season, whether it be through injury or COVID issues, which has plagued, I think, three or four defensemen in particular now for the Hawks. So they felt it a little bit, but not as bad as some other teams are currently feeling it around the NHL right now. And a couple of AHL teams, I think five teams, I believe I saw, already have games canceled for the next week or so. Yeah, it's... We hope we get through it, boy, because I'm not. We're not going to go fully into it here, Jack. Because unfortunately, we do have a. We're, we're asked to try to keep the show down to a minimum time of some sort because we could be on three hours if we want to even get into what this could mean for the Olympics. Because holy moly, that is the thing that people want to happen. I want it to happen. You'd want it to happen. Boy, oh boy, this virus does not want it to happen. Oh my goodness. So we'll we'll put the cap on the we'll put the cap on the Blackhawks for now. Almost had cap on the caps. No, because we're about to open the cap up here on the caps here in just a moment. Talk about how they have gone here on this locked on Blackhawks, locked on Capitals crossover episode, getting set for the matchup tonight between the Hawks and Caps. But I gotta tell you guys about our good friends at Primal Origin Oils. Do you have a beard? Well, you gotta get primal. That's right. Got beard, get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard. It needs to get primal. I don't have a beard, so I don't need to get primal. But you know someone who does. Maybe you're the guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with products as primal origin oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. Their goal is to help others look good and live healthier lives through the use of natural oils. Products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. Check out primalorigins.com to learn more about their full line of beard care products by using the promo code Locked On for a 20% discount at checkout. The combo kits make a great holiday gift as well if you're shopping for yourself, and you'll be glad you did. We know that every company claims to be the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and feel in beard to the other companies you've used. We promise you'll see the feel, see and feel the difference. So remember the promo code Locked On to get 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Once again, Locked On at checkout for 20% off at Primal Origins, PrimalOriginOils.com. Go ahead there, Jackie. Sorry. All right. <laughs> for, for sure. Well, Tyler, all right. Now we're going to turn it over and ask you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the Washington Capitals, the next game for the Chicago Blackhawks. It's been a pretty successful start to the year here for the Caps, 14, 4, and 5 in the early going, and they enjoyed a pretty successful month of November other than that tough defeat against the Florida Panthers where yeah, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to get in that too much, um, but Somewhere Steve Dangle started twitching when he saw 4-1. That's probably what happened. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what do you you think has really been the key to this Capitals team getting off to such a a good start this season, other than Alexander Ovechkin absolutely continuing to light it up like the monster that he is? Alex Ovechkin being a good player? Jack, you got to be kidding me. I can't. That's never happened in the history of the league. Holy cow. He only has only 37 points. Holy cow. It's. I mean, that in itself, I mean, the guy's a freak of nature. He's got gray in his beard. I, I don't know what kind of cereal him and Nicholas Backstrom are eating in that commercial that I keep seeing, but my goodness. It, but the big thing, Jack, with this team this season has been when the chips have been down against them and when they've been dealt the, the cards that they've had, they have stepped up. No Nicholas Backstrom, not once this year. TJ Oshie is still week to week with a... They're saying lower body injury, but it's something going on with his foot after the block shot he had. Comes back for one game, gets an assist, goes back on the injured reserve. We're seeing possible long-term injury reserve for Anthony Mantha as he has been out of the lineup for a while after shoulder surgery. And Connor Sheary has been out due to a upper body injury. and Well, upper and lower body. He's been hurt multiple ways. 
And Justin Schultz is out right now as well. And Lars Eller just came back from COVID, being on the COVID list. That's been the one real de- issue with the Capitals on that. But the matter of having guys that really stepped up, I mean, Hendricks LaPierre, I know he's back at Acadie Bathurst. Uh, he had that great start scoring in the first game of the season, first NHL goal when Wayne Gretzky's trying to talk on TNT, almost ruined it for everybody, but that's okay. <laughs> but he, I'm like, oh man, this is, this is awesome. And Connor McMichael, London Knights, Connor McMichael coming on in and making an immediate impact. He has three goals on the season. Brett Leeson has a couple of goals. Jack, the crazy thing is there have been seven Washington Capitals to score their first NHL goals this season. Beck Malenstein's the latest, even though he's kind of wearing the goat horns after that goalie interference penalty late in the game on Tuesday, but that's okay. I'm going to try to get over it, and I'm sure the rest of us are as well. But, you know, Alexei Protest has been big. Brett Leeson scored a couple of goals. Michael Scarbosa, while his goal has been the weirdest that I've ever seen, you know, he's got his first of the as a Washington Capital. The list goes on of of guys that have filled in, and Martin Favari is another one. He's probably been one of the Caps' best defensemen. That's not named John Carlson this season, and he wasn't even expected to make the roster coming out of training camp. It's these young kids that have come in, and this team, everyone said, I myself included, said this team is going to be older. You know, the average age of this team is one of the oldest in the league outside of the goaltending. You know, the gray beards are going to be out for the Washington Capitals, and maybe they'll be successful. Well, the young kids are just so much, have so much spark and vigor in their game. They're just happy to be there, and they're playing their life out because they know, hey, this may be my only four-game stretch with this team. I may be going back to Hershey before you know it. Well, not right now, obviously, but these kids have really stepped up, and they've, you know, early on it was seeing them only a few minutes, but as Peter Laviolette saw them play more and more, I was like, you know what? I'll play this fourth line in this situation. I'll give them seven minutes. I'll give them eight minutes. And, you know, McMichael, let's give you 13 tonight. And, you know, just putting them with, you know, there was a one game when Oshie had a hat trick. It was Oshie, Mantha, and McMichael. And McMichael had two assists in the game. And it was like, that's what's been so crazy about this is that they've played so well when no one's expected them to do anything because of all the injuries and all the veterans that they've had out. Well, the kids, you know, call me anti-offspring there, Jack, but the kids are all right. Yeah, clearly. I mean, they're they're doing their part, and the Capitals right now are sitting uh, top the Metropolitan Division without a handful of guys that you just named. How much success do you think you got to give to the coaching staff for the ability to just kind of plug and chug and have that next man up ability? I mean, obviously, you got to give the players the, the credit that they deserve, but it seems like the coaching staff has been able to um, kind of solve those injury issues and really, I mean, hasn't been able to do no wrong. Well, Laviolette has always been a little bit old school where unless you are a superstar young player, which to be honest, if you look at his track record, he's really never had much of that. I'm trying to think of the youngest superstar that he had when he was, you know, when he coached Carolina to a cup in 06, that team was just full of old people and Jordan and Eric Stahl, like in Cam, and Cam Ward and Cam, Cam Ward. Ward. <laughs> but Cam Ward, you remember, didn't even start the playoffs. It was Martin right. Gerber. How did that right. team even make it to the playoffs with Martin Gerber as their starting hockey is a weird sport. Hockey is a sport. That is that is correct, Jack. But but the thing is, is that you know he's he sees these young guys come in and more or less out of necessity has to play Hendrick Slop here on opening night. Put a, it just happened to be on TJ Oshie's line because Oshie started off playing a little bit of third line minutes, kind of trying to spread the wealth a little bit. That's why Lapierre was getting some early minutes. Nick Michael started to really bump up his minutes because while he didn't score for the longest time, like he just couldn't find the back of the night after so many chances. But the fact that you could see that he was getting confidence as the game went on, that's when his minutes started to go up. 
So we're starting to get closer, you know, and you're rising to that peak of where a guy's potential is. Laviolette's trust is going along with him. I mean, there's not many young guys that he's had to bring in the lineup that he looks at and says, eh, that guy could be a liability. I mean, anyone that has kind of hinted at that possibility has gone back to Hershey. Alexei Protoss has been able to come back and really make an impact on, I think, his second stint this season. But that just shows why Laviolette's one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League. You don't go to two Stanley Cup finals and one with, now granted, Nashville had that amazing blue line in 2017, but you don't do it just on pure luck. I mean, this guy knows what he's doing. And also with the goaltending as well, he has platooned them very well, even though there was many people that thought one guy was going to start the season, but he went with the other. And that worked out for a while. Now he's going back to Ilya Samsonov and just being able to work the goaltending correctly. That, especially in today's age, Jack, I mean, you see it too. I mean, you, if you have two good goaltenders, you got to make sure you play whoever's the hot hand. And when other, the other fails, yeah, there's got to step up. If not, well, you're in trouble. Yeah, that was actually about to be my next question. Not only are the Capitals ranked fifth in the NHL in goals per game right now, but they're also fourth in the league in goals against. And I saw Ilya Samsonov, his first regulation loss of the season was that comeback win by the Florida Panthers the other night. How good has he been for the cap so far? And uh, do you expect him to get the start tonight against the Blackhawks, or do you expect it to be a Vitek Vanacek? Well, Vanny, it's been so tough for Vanny. And the, the real switch came when they went on that West Coast trip. Vanacek gets the OT loss against Anaheim. The next night, Samsonov posts a shutout against Los Angeles. Then plays Ernest Gimme, get, gets a big win against Los Angeles, has a great game. Posts a shutout then against San Jose. And all of a sudden, I mean, he's, no, pardon me, he posted back-to-back shutouts. That's right. He had, he had such a great week that, Lavila had no choice and like Vanacek had he didn't have the greatest game against Seattle I do remember but that's when Samsonov got the 1A when for the a good stretch of the year Jack that you know Lavila's like yeah we know we got to play Samsonov but Vanacek's playing well and I'm like well we have an established number one and number two right now Samsonov has been able to win his way back into a 1B role and now has taken the 1A just by like his confidence level last year was so bad for him Kuznetsov Orlov for a little bit because of the COVID issues the guys were having and on the Caps roster, having to sit out four games for COVID violations and whatnot. It seemed like Sam Sonov was going to be on of the, he was going to be on the fritz with the team. He was, he was going to be cast aside. He was going to be the number two, especially with Vanacek getting the start opening night. That's what it seemed like. But it's one of those things, Jack, that, you know, no matter what you think about a player, you know, their personality or whatnot, when they're winning your hockey games, you kind of have to play them. And Sam Sonov has certainly done that by, showing that he's more confident, and he's got this rejuvenated focus, him and Kuznetsov both, I would say. And that's what certainly made him the starting goaltender. And I would, you know, I'm not, this is not a slight against the Blackhawks. I would not be shocked if Vanacek got the start tonight. You got. Columbus. I was thinking the same thing. Don't even, don't even apologize. I, I'm just, I, I, Vanny, I think it's one of those things where I think Laviolette sees an opportunity to get Vanacek some confidence back, get him in there. And you know what? Maybe Sam Sonov, I'm not, and he, I, when you give up you know, 51 shots on goal, he gave up five. He made 46 saves, for goodness sake. Right. I, I, I can't say that he played bad. You know, a couple goals that you want back, sure, every goaltender that, you know, you give up five goals, you want that back. So maybe after a night like that, you see Laviolette give him the night off, rest him up, because you got Columbus, who is certainly no slouch this season, to coming up here on Saturday. So I would not be shocked if the double V got the start tonight. But then again, if Sam Sonov came in, sure, give the kid a bounce back opportunity. 
Yeah, I was thinking the same way, but I, either way, it's the Blackhawks are going to have their their handful with whoever the Capitals decide to go with in that. Uh, last quick kind of fun question I had for you, Tyler. I have to check in on a former Blackhawk, former Stanley Cup champion Blackhawk, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. How's the boy doing? What are your thoughts on TVR? Has he been good? Because when he was with the Hawks, he was still kind of a young kid. They weren't really sure what to do with him. And he kind of, he wound up getting selected in the uh, expansion draft. Um, But I just want to check in for all the Blackhawks listeners who were around back in 2015. How's Trevor Van Riemsdyk been uh, handling his role with the Caps so far this season? So for those that don't know, I am from Grand Rapids, live in Grand Rapids, have grown up watching the Grand Rapids Griffins from their IHL to the American League days. There have been two guys, I always love to get after players that you once played in the National Hockey League and just kind of rise them a little bit. I make sure I sit in the 100s because A, it's the it's minor league hockey. It's much cheaper than the National Hockey League. Right. But I, and I love and I love kind of razzing players. And Trevor Van Riemsdyk was in the same boat Keith Seabrook was in. Hey, your brother's a lot better than you there, bucko. And just <laughs> give him the entire game. Every time he touches the puck, not relentless. Because unfortunately, yeah, TVR was not good as James Van Riemsdyk. That was, I mean, that there, there was nobody debating that. But since I paid 25 bucks for the ticket, I had to let him know. But this year, I think he, he's been very solid. And he's had to step up with the fact that the Washington Capitals defense was a question mark with Michael Kepney, who was seemingly going to come back after having rehabbing this off season. He thought he was going to come back, had a poor off season. Oh crap. We got to bring in the rookie fair of Aria. Let's see what happens. Well, he becomes one of your better defensemen. Yeah. Justin Schultz, he's over the hill. Well, he's played well. Nick Jensen's older. Well, he scored the other night. He scored three goals this season. He's also looking shifty as ever, as he always is. And Trevor Van Riemsdyk, I'm not going to say full career revitalization yet, Jack, because we are still in November, or excuse me, now we're in December now. But the matter is this, is he has looked much better. He's had a couple of games that he's looked a little out of place, but I haven't had to say his name too many times, which, you know, just from talking to coaches, the best thing you can say about a player is nothing at all. And he has seven points this year, hasn't scored yet with the Washington Capitals in the 23 games he's played. But he's been solid. He's been a good defenseman. He hasn't, you know, you can put him out in penalty kill situations. You can throw him out late in the game. That Florida game, we're just going to throw out to the wayside for everybody. But the fact of the matter is this, I thought he's played well. I thought he's looked really good. And, you know, he's going to have to be a key part for this team, especially with these young players coming in. He can be one of those guys that says, hey, I'm just letting you guys know, just be happy to be here because you can be like me and play in Rockford for a very long time. And <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to Rockford, Jack. It's a decent place, but it's Rockford. It's not Chicago. Right. You'd much rather you'd much rather be in the big city. But glad to hear that. It's kind of crazy to think Trevor Van Reem's like 30 years old now and is kind of like an elder in the locker room. I was just looking him up. Uh, but glad to hear that, that he's 30 doing- years old. That makes me feel old. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, definitely glad to hear that he's been doing so far, uh, doing well so far in his time with the Washington Capitals. You ready to get in some predictions for tonight's matchup? Yes, we will get to predictions. However, guys, it is the holiday season. And you know what that means? Holiday football, the bowl season, and also football playoffs. And Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this holiday season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus by using the promo code Locked On and receiving that bonus. Not just football either. Bet Online, of course, has pro and college hoops, the National Hockey League, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021-22 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet Online is where the game 
starts. Now, you asked me, Jack, about who's going to start for the Capitals in net tonight. I said Vanacek because, you know what, it could be. Now, granted, by the time people hear this, Peter Laviolette will have his morning skate, and he'll let everyone know, and Samantha Pell will tell me, see, Tyler, you were wrong, as it seemingly always happens. Who do you think is getting net tonight? I would think Flurry, but, you know, Kevin Lankinen's not a bad goaltender either. I think this is a big time to start Marc-Andre Fleury and start out this road trip uh, with their their best foot forward, if you will. And for the Blackhawks, I talked a little bit earlier, three-game road trip coming up. I think they'd like to get three points or above would probably be a victory. And I think if you can scratch at least one out of this first game against Washington, that's a step in the right direction. So I really do think uh, the red hot Marc-Andre Fleury is probably going to be the man that Derek King goes with. Um, but at the same time, Kevin Lankinen's gotten spot starts every now and then, and King certainly isn't afraid to, to throw him in there. He got to start a couple nights ago, um, and, and he wants to keep him ready. You know, I know Flowers been a lot better than he has, but Kevin Lankinen hasn't been bad either. The defense really just hasn't done him any favors, and he's done his job, I thought, when given an opportunity. But I, but I, with all that said, I I do expect Mark Andre Fleury ultimately to be the guy because I think that gives the Blackhawks the best chance to try and upset the 14, four and five Washington Capitals. And to your point, the, I mean, it's not like he's not going to play. I guarantee he's probably going to play Sunday against the Islanders at UBS Arena. A because the Islanders are have not won a game in their home rink. Also, it's second half of back to back. You probably want to have Fleury against the Rangers because you guys play him twice in one week. Once, obviously, in Chicago as well. Get that season series out of the way. Yeah, what is with that? Why is everyone trying to get their season series over with? We we play you guys in just a couple weeks later, right? We play December fifteenth. I will be and, there. And we just and, and Armando and I were talking after the game last time. Like that was the third and final meeting between the Panthers and Caps. Like the league specified that we're not going to have any back to backs anymore with teams on, in the same barn. Why do you want? Why don't you want to spread it out a little bit? Gosh Almighty. Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'd like to be able to see the Caps sometime later on in the season and not just two times in November where you don't really know where these teams are headed. Obviously, you have an indication of of where they're going to go, but it could be a completely different scenario in March. And I always like late in the season, you know, going up against Eastern Conference teams that you don't see all that much. I think it's a good test of where their game's at, you know, how they've kind of been playing and just to realize where you're at as your own team. So, yeah, I'm definitely a little bit disappointed that the Blackhawks, their two games against the Capitals happen to come here in a two-week span. Well, then again, it's probably like, you know what? They haven't played in two years. We got to make up for lost time. Just play them right there. We're like, give them some time. I personally, I don't know about you, Jack. Obviously it was a tough year for the Hawks last year in the central division, which certainly was extremely top heavy, but I, I, I liked having teams play back to back games. Now it's easy when you play a team eight times in one year, you kind of have to bunch them up like that. But I, maybe it's because once again, growing up watching minor league hockey and junior hockey and broadcasting college hockey, back to backs are fun, especially against the same team. Yeah, no, I definitely think it, it creates a good intensity the only issue I had with with the whole setup was you had to play the same te- same eight teams, fifty you know, in the fifty six game season. If we were able to do that in a normal schedule, I think that would be excellent. And it's kind of funny that you bring up that point because that's kind of the schedule that Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taze has been preaching for for the last like six or seven years. Like, cut down on the travel. Let's not go a thousand five hundred miles in three days here. Let's go play these two back to backs. Let's get them out of the way. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of funny. I thought that that you brought that up. You, you mentioned you mentioned playing the same team seven, eight times in a year in a 56-game schedule. Somewhere Bobby Hall is like, I'm going to tell you something, kid. <laughs> 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 when we had to play Gordon Howe 
50 times a year, seven times in the playoffs. I right. want you to cry about now. We can, we have nothing on those old guys. No, never, never at all. Oh man. Yeah. This is gonna be a fun game tonight. I'm really excited because, you know, watching the Hawks just get better and better. This is, had this been November 1st, I think this is going to be like, all right, Washington's going to win this one. What? What's the what's the spread? Six and a half? Sure. I believe it. And it's a, it's a football spread. But but we'll now it. but now it's to that point where it's like this could be a real close game and you know, the, even when the Hawks were playing some bad, you know, when they were having that 1-9-2 start, they took the Leafs to overtime. They've had a they had a couple of close calls. It wasn't like they were you know, getting blown out every single game. They just had some tough goes here and there. This could be an easily a one goal game again tonight. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the reason I say that is because under Derek King, the Blackhawks have played a much more, quite frankly, boring style of play. Just not a whole lot's going on. They're making sure they're responsible defensively. Basically, they're not going to beat themselves. And they've been playing a ton of low-scoring games as of recently. Not only has Marc-Andre Fleury been playing playing great, but the Blackhawks' offense literally can't buy a goal right now. It's been tough sledding. They've scored four goals twice this season. Four goals or more twice. It's been tough. So if the Blackhawks are able to hold down the Capitals offense. I think this will be a close game, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit scared just because as I talked about earlier in the episode, each and every time the Blackhawks have been faced up against a legitimate opponent, they haven't responded well. So I am a little bit nervy that this, this could be like a, maybe a five or a five, two Capitals win or something, but I'm really excited to see, this is just a big test for the Blackhawks, right? Things have been going better under Derek King, six and three. We're starting to get that record a little bit closer to 500, not as disgusting as it was in the month of October, but the bigger picture is you need to be able to hang with the best or even beat the best in order to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the Blackhawks, against quality opponents, haven't been able to rise to the occasion so far. So I, I really think this is going to be a huge test for this Blackhawks team and whether or not they're ready to take that next step and beat a, a contender right now in the Washington Capitals. It's it's going to be a real interesting game. I myself, I've done a really good job of making sure I pick against the Washington Capitals, mainly because I don't want to be like, ah, the Washington Capitals gonna take this one tonight easily. Four two of the winners. No, I it I just it just seems like it's one of the I don't want to say it's a trap game because this is not Arizona. Arizona was a trap game and they won two to nothing. It was it was terrifying. <laughs> it was like watching Canada take on Laffy in twenty fourteen with Christopher Gudlevskis just absolutely making every big save possible and scaring half of the entire well half of North America. One good, one bad. But <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Jack. I would not be like the Washington Capitals are coming out of this game after having like just in being embarrassed. They were outshot 27 to two in the third period in that loss against Florida. 20, 27 to two. Like I have played peewee games where I've been outshot 27 to two, but that's a peewee hockey game. This is the National Hockey League. They're coming into this game pretty ticked off, I think, just from the way the players reacted post game. Connor McMichael was mad. Peter Laviolette was just. He, I mean, he, bored, <laughs> he was, uh, he, well, he was Peter Laviolette at his best. He did it to the players. He did it with the media. Like he made sure everyone knew him like, this is unex like I'm paraphrasing here because unfortunately we are a PG program, but he was not happy the way his team finished up. And I guarantee you practice. They had an off day yesterday morning skate. Obviously you can't burn him out. 
Holy moly. Um, sorry. This just came across my Twitter feed. Um, I'm not, I'm laughing. Okay. Sorry. The Detroit Red Wings tweeted the Detroit Red Wings have placed Tyler Bertuzzi on NHL's COVID protocol list. Oh man. <laughs> Who saw that coming? Oh my gosh. I, Oh, I don't, don't, those replies are about to be a dangerous place right now. Like, uh, I, let's see. Um, uh, da, 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 da. okay. So the first, so this first person here who in this, my wife's a nurse, so I can say this and this is 100%. This person's actually correct. And it's well said person, um, person says I'm a physician, but not an infectious disease doctor. Understand though, that the function of the COVID vaccine is not to prevent you getting from COVID. The vaccine decreases your risk of being hospitalized or dying from the disease by 11 fold, which is the majority of the truth. My wife could, if she was not working right now, she'd probably storm in here and give a big thumbs up because that is kind of how it works. You're not supposed to die and it's supposed to be more difficult to spread. That said though, you need to get vaccinated in order to limit that problem. And Tyler Bertuzzi is still the only player in the national hockey league to get unvaccinated, to be unvaccinated. Sometimes these stories just write themselves, Tyler. I, I mean, I joked because we already played the Red Wings twice this year and I joke about it. I'm like, ah, Tyler Bertuzzi and the Red Wings are 0-3 in Canada without Tyler Bertuzzi. I'm like, well, no, duh. Like, right. I, I, I don't know. I, I saw, that- I saw him uh, lighten it up earlier in the year and everyone was like, everyone's scared to play defense against Tyler Bertuzzi because they're going to catch well, COVID. That was the best. Yeah. When he put up four goals against Tampa and I'm like, ah, the defense was social distancing themselves from him. Right. Right. <laughs> oh man. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry for the left. Sorry for the left turn, everybody. But that, that just, I, I, my phone started vibrating like mad crazy and I had to go to Twitter. My good boy, Eddie, Elliot Friedman helped me out there. Cause that, Oh man. The Bertuzzi's doing something controversial. No way. Oh, don't uh, you want to go down that rabbit hole? We have another three hours on this program. Oh, <laughs> We're already at 46 minutes. We should probably save that for next for two weeks crossover. We, yeah. When we have just an off day, I'm like, let's just ramble on about how Todd Bertuzzi's almost killed a guy. Let's just do that. <laughs> Literally. We, uh, uh, you know what prediction here, Jack, what do you got the final score here? Man, I, I really want the Blackhawks to come away with this one, but until they show me that they can beat a top team in the NHL right now, I'm not going to pick them. I, I'm speaking as un, an unbiased guy, as a straight better. If I were to choose this game, I, I would pick the Washington Capitals at Capitals at home. I'm going to go four to one. Four to one caps. Thank thank you for putting that score back into our heads. That's just going to make everyone happy. <laughs> see four to one and be like, we need five. Uh, this Blackhawks offense, they just can't score. And I think whoever the Caps put in net, tomorrow or tonight well whether it be vanacek or or it be sam samsonov the, the blackhawks just they haven't been able to buy one recently and that's been the story all season and i keep saying oh you know it's just a matter of time before they wake up and they have that big six goal game it hasn't happened so as much oh. as i want to see them have that progression it's tough for me to see it happening on the road against a tough team like Washington. You're right just now. throwing the reverse jinx out here. eh? you're just, you, you want, you're like, this is going to work. Um, we'll see what I, happens. I, I win either way now. Exactly. It's a win-win for you. I, I'm seriously, <laughs> and I'm going to say, I'm going to say the score and Hawks fans be like, come on, dude, really? You're trying to be nice. And I'm serious when I say four to two Hawks, like it just seems like it's going to be one of those games. And yeah, I, that is my go-to. It is a three, two league. The NHL is. So that's why I'm saying four, two. Mainly because I just feel like Alex DeBrincat's going to score. I don't know why. I I put the inclination because he played for the Windsor Spitfires, and the Windsor Spitfires have been legendary for using the Washington Capitals kind of sweater look for the longest time. And he played for the Washington Windsor Spitfires. 
So therefore, the Washington Spitfires are going to beat the Washington Capitals tonight with Alex Brinkett scoring <laughs> the game winner. Hey, that, that's a pretty good good bet there, though, because other other than uh, DeBrinket, Patrick Kane, and Brandon Hagel, literally no one has been able to score for this Blackhawks team. Jonathan Tays doesn't have a goal this season. Kirby Doc doesn't have a goal since October 27th. Dominic Kubalik, 40, former 30-goal scorer and uh, Calder Trophy finalist, he hasn't scored in the last 15 games. It has been brutal, man. So Alex DeBrinket to score a goal tomorrow, probably a good bet. I'm just writing down all these names when they come up on the score sheet later. I'm going to tag you hard when they all score. Just letting you know, Jack. That's just I'm just reverse jinxing to the max right now and, and praying that it's going to work out for this team finally. Oh, man. Kirby Doc's going to get three points. Jonathan Taves is going to score. Kirby Doc will score. Or not. And Kubelik will score. So maybe it'll be 5 2 because you got to get Debrinkhead in there somewhere. Debrinkhead's scoring. If we're Debrink- scoring, it's probably Debrinkhead. 33% chance. I love how Eddie Olchek thought he was very very cunning when he said ah alex the cat the cat and i'm like didn't see that one coming at all Eddie. yeah no who would have guessed oh, i lo- gotta love Eddie L, though i mean come on i i will say it's you know what it's an easy one it's you don't have to worry about trying to figure out where it came from i mean emil francis the legendary coach was nicknamed the cat and like why he's a goaltender and this was like 1930s goaltending that's one of my weird old stories that i have puck drop is tonight at seven o'clock at capital one arena caps and blackhawks thank you all very much for listening and watching this episode this crossover edition of locked on caps and locked on blackhawks now go make your second listen locked on bets where your boy q and lee sterling give you expert analysis and get all of your betting needs taken care of before tonight's action jack man it has been a pleasure unfortunately i know we we play in two weeks if you want to talk then absolutely but it's it's a bummer that i'm only gonna have to talk to you in two weeks and not two months from now i know that is kind of a shame but yeah absolutely i'd love to get together again in a couple weeks talk about how the second matchup between these two teams is going to go and i'll also be in attendance for that game at the united center on december 15th with a couple buddies so definitely excited i've never seen alexander ovechkin play in my life so i i really couldn't be more excited to finally be able to see the great eight and speaking of the great eight he might have uh what is it goal number 750 will be his next one right uh yes he uh, yeah 750 he he's getting up there I'll, I'll I'll wait till we get off here to tell you a fun story about Alex because I actually been fortunate to see Alex and Ovechkin play and it was it was an experience to say the least. But we got to wrap it up here because all of you listening and watching, I'm sure you guys want to do something better with your day. But once again, <laughs> thank you very much, Jack. Where can the people find from our Capitals fan base? Where can they find you in the in the Hawks? Yeah, if you want more, uh, you can check out Locked On Blackhawks wherever you get your podcast, whether it's through Apple Podcast, Spotify, Odyssey. You can check it out there for free. If you want to check me out on Twitter, you can find my personal account at Jack Bushman too, or for the right Locked On Blackhawks account. Yes, right, <laughs> right down, right below you over there. People, yeah. a couple tries. Yes, you can check me out there, or if you want to check out the Locked On Blackhawks Twitter account, that can be found at capital L capital O underscore Blackhawks. Tyler, once again, it was a lot of fun, man, and looking forward to the next crossover here in a couple weeks. Oh, absolutely. And for you Hawks fans out there that want to see Alexander Ovechkin, even though there's other players on this Capitals team, you can follow the Locked On Capitals at Locked On Caps on Twitter, just like it sounds. Be sure to follow me, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, at TJKU29, which is down there in the corner. If you're watching on the Locked On Capitals YouTube channel and like Locked On Blackhawks, wherever you get your podcasts. We're, this is it for this episode of the crossover of Locked On Capitals and Locked On Blackhawks. For Jack Bushman, I'm Tyler Kuehl saying so long and enjoy the game tonight.